You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Robert Land, along with my co-host, House of Houston's Brian Patterson. And welcome back to Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. Instead of our usual weekly three things to look for podcast, uh, this week, Brian and I are, we have our three reasons for and against Coach Bill O'Brien staying in H-Town. I'll hit you with the three reasons they should keep him, and Brian hits you with three reasons they should let OB go at the end of the year. But before we get to that, the Texans, Brian, were busy making some transactions Man, there's a couple more starters done for the season. Yeah, Bruce Ellington uh, with that with a concussion. C.J. Fedorowicz, by the way, with C.J., this is his fourth concussion in one calendar year. So he is on the shelf. You know, we've talked about it. Uh, The guy shouldn't even come out there and play again. It's just not worth it. But he's on the IR, so we won't be seeing those two guys back for the rest of the season. And it's best to be done that way. And they have unleashed... Two guys off the practice squad. DeAndre White, guy right out of North Shore High, uh, local product. He's going to have a lot of people wanting to come see him. And he did his time over in Alabama, which is pretty much, uh, you know, training camp. It's an NFL-ready training camp, getting you ready for what it's like in the NFL. So we'll get to see him. Michael Pruitt, uh, which I like to refer to him as accounting firm. That's what it sounds like. He's going to be coming in at tight end. He's on the active roster. Uh, this is his second year as well, 6'2", 260 pounds. And to replace those guys on the practice squad, they bring in a wide receiver, Devin Lucian, um, out of Arizona State, and a cornerback, Josh Thornton, out of Southern Utah. It's his rookie season. So those guys are going to have an opportunity uh, to practice. Um, I would not expect to see them on the active roster but at least it gives them an opportunity to develop and to get some paychecks uh, for the last couple of weeks of the season. Well, Brian, I mean, it, it's it's uh, big because uh, Bruce Ellington was really doing some nice things out there. Yeah, yeah. And you feel like you want to see more of him and see what he can do as the weeks progress because I felt like he was getting in a little bit of a rhythm. And he's a guy that, I don't know about you, I, I feel like the, the Texans got to re-sign him next year. I mean, he, he is comfortable with the system. He's done a nice job for them. There's no reason not to keep that guy around. Yeah, I think Bruce Ellington is a shoe-in to be signed uh, to this team. He's He gets along with the staff, the players. Um, he's done everything that he that they've asked him to do and more. If you think about it, just go in and sign his cousin too, Andre, because Andre did some nice things for us this past Sunday, lining up at wide receiver. You know, he is a natural running back. That's what he does, but... That's what this team's all about with, in the Bill O'Brien era. Can you do more than one thing, the versatility uh, factor there? And, uh, and both of the Ellingtons are showing that whatever that's being asked of them, they, they can go out there and do it. So I'd love to see them both next season, hopefully. Yeah, the, the, the Cousins finally got to play with, with each other, and it was only for a half. So yeah. that that's kind of sucks because I'm sure they were really excited about that opportunity. I want to get to DeAndre White, though. This is a hell of an opportunity for him. The Texans are so thin at wide receiver. He had looked good in training camp. I, I want to say he was one of those guys that was looking good. And then he got hurt. Did we talk about that? Yes. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And, uh, and they had to go in and do an injury settlement for him because it was a situation where he wasn't going to be healthy enough uh, to be worth 
have on the active roster, so they just cut their ties with him. And now he has this opportunity for him because he's now healthy. Um, you know, they've called him back and said, hey, let's see what you got. All right, let's get to the next thing because the talk of Monday night was J.J. Watt and Jose Altuve winning Sports Illustrated's Person of the Year. There was some real interesting stuff in their in their piece, the, the one that Sports Illustrated did on J.J. with that honor and the severity of his injury. But before we get to that, Brian, how about the latest honor for number 99? What were your first thoughts when you saw J.J. Watt get Sports Person of the Year? I was... Not too surprised that he got it because, you know, when you think about all the money he raised, $37 million, and if he would have left that fundraising thing open, it would have been even more than that. He just had to close it because money just kept pouring in. Um, He's done a lot with the relief efforts. You know, we've seen some pictures, you know, he's out there um, for the first time because, you know, he is not all that mobile. I mean, he just got off the uh, crutches uh, what last week. He went to go see what's going. People building homes, people delivering, you know, supplies. You know, people who need uh, the money the most. It's getting to uh, the right people, and and you just see the aspect of uh, kids being helped out uh, with this. You know, uh, having a home to go to. You know, that's been rebuilt, and you know the the construction tape, the uh, the vest, and all of that. You you saw all of that, so it goes to show that the money that you've donated, uh, the money that I have donated. It's it's going to it's going to work there uh, without a doubt, and I'm just really proud of him. But think about this: he got Sports Person of a Year, but I'm going off on a limb and saying he's going to get Walter Payton Man of the Year. He I, I see it. I don't see anybody else who would have uh, such of a strong contention for this award other than JJ. I would expect him to get that award. He did not play much this season, but he is going to get a seasonal award. That's the one he's going to be able to get. To me, that this is the bigger honor. I mean, I, I love Walter Payton, but this one, Sports Illustrated's Person of the Year, we're talking about across the board. They could choose anybody. I, I read both articles. Did you did you read it? The articles on JJ and the one on Altuve. I did not get a chance uh, to be honest with you. I'm going to go into that then because there are a couple of things that really stuck out from those articles. And by the way, Deshaun Watson could have been <laughs> among this group of Houstonians for all the stuff that he's did. We talked ad nauseum about that. The guy also won a national championship, by the way, in the past calendar year. So that yeah. that's pretty cool. And and you look at somebody like Carlos Beltran. And what he's done for Puerto Rico. I mean, you could have just put all four of those guys in that category. So many Houston athletes that are just doing tremendous things. But Brian, there's just this paragraph from Sports Illustrated story on JJ that really stuck out. And I don't know if we knew this all about his injuries. Uh, it says, quote, as doctor pre- doctors prepared for surgery to repair the tibial plateau in Watt's left leg, they told him they'd seen this sort of Injury only in motorcycle wrecks. That's how bad it was. When he'd hit the turf, it set off sort of an explosion between his knee. Faced with the same sort of trauma, the typical professional athlete's anterior cruciate ligament would have simply ruptured under the strain, doctors said. For someone of Watt's fitness, that's a six-month recovery process. But this is the interesting part, (laughs) Brian. This tells you a lot about (laughs) how J.J. is built. His ACL was too strong, they said, and the ligament refused to buckle, transferring the pressure throughout the knee, shattering the bone and cartilage, 
the great irony was that Watts' maniacal devotion to strengthening his ACL, the single ligament, uh, ligament that most often shortens careers, transformed what would have been a routine injury into a uniquely devastating one. So JJ was actually basically what they're saying is he he was too. Uh, you know, he was too fit for his own good. It, it, it now will take, they said, maybe a year to do this. So we're not, we might not even see him at the beginning of next season. We don't know yet. Yeah, and, and well, if it, anything to prolong your career, I'm, I'm with that. And he, he was doing everything he could uh, to do so. I didn't even know there were exercises to strengthen your ACL. I, I thought it was just, you had to live with it. I mean, you can strengthen muscles and whatnot, but I didn't know that you could target specifically at the ACL. So that goes to show he's got the best in the business working with him with his training techniques and whatnot. And um, but we, we, I hope to see 99 out there sometime next season because, as always, he will be a tremendous impact to that defensive line. But I hate to say this, but we have to start thinking about what life is going to be without J.J. Watt because that time is coming sooner than what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, we talked about that uh, quite a bit, but no, no question yeah. about it. When you look at the injury, uh, when you look at the history of these last two years and what, what's happened to him, uh, it's unfortunate. It sucks. Uh, this is why you got to appreciate these guys, why you get a chance to see them play. But uh, J.J. Watt, it felt, I don't know about you, Brian, it felt, also like an accumulative award because uh, it felt like a bunch of stuff that he's done for years and years now. He wouldn't have got this maybe if he was uh, not the three-time defensive player of the year and if he hadn't done all of these great things behind the scenes. The other thing that jumped out at me, Brian, in this piece, and you've got to read this, is they always talk about, oh, J.J.'s doing this or that for the publicity or whatever. And and I've said, I don't care, but you, when you read this article, you understand a little bit better about the way JJ's mind works. And what struck me more than anything was that he is a guy that absolutely is doing stuff for all the right reasons. I, I don't see that as part of J, JJ's DNA to say, oh, I'm, I'm doing this because I want more people to like me or uh, you know, I want some more PR and I want to sell some more vehicles. I think that's just who JJ is. Exactly. I, I think he's a genuine article. Um, it, it, but, you know, with the, the character NFL players today, I mean, you know, there are a lot of characters out there that we come across every week when we watch, uh, you know, um, our games and whatnot, whether it's our game or other games out there. But J.J. Uh, Watt, it's almost as if it's too good to be true. I mean, do they make human beings like him? And apparently they do exist uh, out there. So uh, to say that he's a fraud, a phony, no, I'm not going to go that far. Not at all, because there are really good people out there. And it goes to show that he goes with good upbringing. You know, he has a good mom, good dad, uh, good family values and whatnot. That's what it's all about. Um, in, in terms of what we're seeing out of J.J. Watt. And, and it just kind of invigorates, you know, the, the franchise itself. He's exactly, that's why he's the face. And eventually, Deshaun Watts is going to be uh, part of the phase two and the phase, uh, you know, later on. But it, he speaks to exactly what the Texans want in a character guy. Tomorrow on Locked On Texans, we, be go, go be, we go behind enemy lines with Locked On 49ers host, Brian Peacock. Let's get into our three reasons for and against Coach Bill O'Brien staying. Uh, keep in mind, 
OB has another year left on his contract, Brian, after this year, but organizations typically don't like quote unquote uh, lame duck coaches and the Texans. I feel like they're one of those type of teams. You don't want to let Bill O'Brien come into this season uh, without knowing whether or not he's going to be coaching after next season. Let him know now what what they plan to do with him, which I honestly think they're, of course, they're going to keep him. Um, I mean, who are you going to bring in to replace him? I mean, he started this. Um, It would be just, you know, you know, eventful to go on and just finish it out. Uh, Definitely. Hopefully with some uh, more success added on to uh, his resume. But uh, that, that's pretty much how I feel about Bill O'Brien, but uh, that he is going to uh, get that extension. But um, and we're going to find out about it pretty soon. I, I, I just know it. And um, it's probably going to be a, a very nice deal for him. Well, you just said uh, he should be back and he needs to be back. But I made you tell me there are three reasons why he shouldn't be back against him staying. So what's your number one? Yeah, and I have to put this into perspective of if I were a fan and I didn't like Bill O'Brien here, how would I feel? Why wouldn't I not want him here? And uh, and, and let's start out with the first one. Is his style applicable to the players of today? He keeps them on a tight leash. They can't talk much. You know, they're always worried about, you know, if – if they're going to, you know, speak out and, you know, and, and mess up something, he tried to, he tries to do it like Bilicek, but you know, does that always work? I mean, his style honestly is more suited for the college game. So, you know, is his style, you know, the ability to, you know, he gets a bit power hungry at times. He doesn't want to delegate as much. He, he wants all the power. We've seen him kind of step away from that over time, but, in, in just his smugness at press conferences, it's usually after a loss. I mean, it, you know, I, I don't want my head coach. He doesn't have to be a nice guy all the time because you're a coach. I mean, you, you've got to have that gruffiness about you, but I wonder, you know, as far as what fans, if that's a factor and that's my number one. Yeah. You talk about his personality. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but uh, yeah, maybe uh, that, that might be a reason not to keep him, but you know, my most powerful argument for keeping O'Brien and and this connects right into what you said is he's finally done it. OB, the offensive coordinator is something special. I mean, since he took over the reins this year, uh, he started working with number four. This offense was doing things we haven't seen before. Look at what he did with Deshaun and how those two worked together to put up 30 points virtually Every week after waiting for so long, Brian, for an exciting offense, you really want to give up on this and this Watson O'Brien chemistry. People might think, hey, any coach can make Watson look good. But do we really want to take that chance? No, 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 absolutely not. He's the quarterback whisperer. We're going to give him that title back again because he's gone through God knows how many quarterbacks. And we've still, you know, come out and turned out pretty good seasons uh, out of that. So, you know, that's an excellent argument, Rob. I'm with you on that. What's your number two? Number two is going to be uh, just his record all across the board. Um, he currently sits at a 31 and 29 record. That includes, you know, what we're four and eight right now. Is that enough? I mean, you've got two division titles. You missed. Uh, you barely missed it back in 2014. You know, you, you, you it came down to the last day. Is that enough? I mean, uh, to the Texans organization, because if you 
you be you you want to bring Bill O'Brien in to change the culture. He has done that, but now it's time to start talking about contending for something. Are you happy with what you have in terms of just being able to win a lot of games? It's time to get serious about getting to the next level, you know, elevating. There are a lot of factors into that, and that's a lot not that's not necessary in his control, but the things that he can control and we're still churning out about the same as far as what we're seeing, that would be, you know, something a fan would be wondering. You know, they want to see more. They want, they expect more results. You know, Sean McVay, you know, a guy that, you you, you know, a name, he wasn't a household name until this season. They bring him in, and he has turned that Rams franchise around. There could be a guy sitting out there, young, ready, willing uh, to coach, and may, he may even do a better job than Bill O'Brien. So if I'm a fan looking at that perspective, I'm thinking about that. There could be a wonder boy out there just like Sean McVay that could turn this team around and have them even playing even better. Well, you just connected beautifully into my number two reason to to, uh, (laughs) keep them around is next year this team looks like a legit Super Bowl contender. Do you want to try to bring in a whole new set of coaches, maybe learn a whole new offense and defense? Uh, especially since we know this team can compete with anybody in the NFL if they're healthy. They proved this year by being a break or two from beating the Patriots and the Seahawks on the road. I mean, how about that? I mean, they were contending to major teams on the road. Obviously, number four is the reason for this. And so with these guys coming back, could be a Super Bowl contender. So do you want to totally change courses? Do you, to- do you want to trust? Here's the other thing, Brian. Uh, do you want to trust Bob McNair and Rick Smith to to make a move and bring in another head coach? Do you do you have that much faith in them that they're going to find that wonder coach that's going to you know that whatever you want to whatever guy you want to call you know Bill Belichick or you mentioned uh, McVay? But uh, you know to me it still came down to quarterbacks with this team over the last few years, and it still t- came down to quarterbacks with the Rams, and that's why they turned turn their uh, whole team around in a year. I mean, you look at what Jared Goff is doing. I just think, I just think, I don't trust these guys to do that. With them hiring Bill O'Brien, you know, it could have been a lot worse uh, with with what they would have been able uh, to hire. And um, you know, Bill O'Brien at the time was a very good get. I mean, this guy was a star. You know, with Penn State, you know, he was racking up all kinds of awards, especially you know that 2012 season where they go eight and four. And, you know, he put a positive atmosphere into what was going on at Penn State. We're not going to get into what happened at Penn State. We all know what happened. But he he really put a culture into there. And that's what the Texans were expecting him uh, to do. And he has has essentially uh, done that. But is it the culture necessarily that's essential for us to be winning a Super Bowl? And that's debatable. Well, you can talk about Bill O'Brien being, you know, a pretty good candidate when he came in and, and sort of a hot name. This is true. And and you would have the pick of the litter because I think the Texans are set up to go to the Super Bowl. So head coaches should be in line for that job. The the pro- the problem with all that is again, they've got to learn a whole new thing. You've got to make sure that you you hire a defensive coordinator that, you know, fits what your personnel is right now. You have to hire an offensive coordinator that can let Deshaun do Deshaun things. And frankly, you know, OB's playbook looks like the best playbook that you could have for what Deshaun is doing and the, and the amount of studying that they did on that. And we, we talked about that in, in the previous show. 
how you know he he talked about what he incorporated just to get uh, Deshaun Watson to play well. So you know, yeah, all those things could factor in. You might be right; they they would get the pick of the litter, and so there's that possibility that you could find the right guy. But they're also the same management that you know hired Gary Kubiak, who is a nice coach, but I think he's very mediocre. I think he got to the Super Bowl riding and a, a tremendous defense. Uh, I, I just don't think Gary Gupiak was much more than a slightly above average coach at best. And when I, when I look at what OB is doing, I think he's a little bit better than what Gary Kubiak was. And they also, uh, well, at least McNair anyway, you know, he was a real big part of that hiring of uh, Dom Capers and, and, and that didn't work out. Dom still hasn't even found a job as a head coach again so he's up there in the booth with the packers still yeah they still love him up there <laughs> hit me with your number three my number three my final thought on this is the development of players which this is actually speaks to an important point braxton miller jalen strong lewis nix kevin johnson tom savage kj Dillon, and we can even talk about devere posey a player that he inherited that wasn't his but he inherited are they? Can you honestly say that they are better now than when we drafted them earlier? Uh, you know, back a couple of seasons ago, Braxton. You know, he's been up and down. You know, with his injuries, Jalen. You know, sometimes he can't even make the field. Lewis Nix has a conditioning issue. We couldn't even get him on the field. He's on the couch. Kevin Johnson flashes, but not yet showing that he's on that upward trend. I'm thinking he will get there, but. You know, with each game, you know, I'm I'm kind of out to lunch on whether he's going to get there or not. Tom Savage, most importantly, this is the first quarterback that he drafted uh, whenever he came into this organization. Can you tell me that Tom Savage is better today than he was when he was fresh out of pit from his senior year when we plucked him out of there in the fir- fourth round? Yes, yes, I can tell you that. Yes, I can tell you that Tom Savage is better, Brian. And you mentioned a couple guys in there that had injury issues that that played as big a part as anything. Talk talking about Lewis, Lewis Nix, uh, that, that, that guy definitely had some injury issues, but you know, there was a couple guys you mentioned there with injury issues. I don't know if I put that on OB and I think there's other guys that you could say, Oh, he, he has developed. Maybe I'm wrong, but w- what do you think about that? Uh, well, what I think too is, uh, you know, KJ Dillon, you know, he's not even on the roster anymore. Now this may have been a Rick Smith decision, but, you know, he's on the couch. He's not with anybody right now. Devere Posey goes in and goes to the Canadian League and just tears it up. I'm not saying that the Canadian League is on the same level as the NFL, but it's pretty darn close. Is it? Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I think it, the rules are different, but, hey, I, I think that's the next best thing to get to the NFL. That is that is pretty much where you would want to be, and he deserves every accolade that he got uh, out of that. It just, I don't know why he clashed with DeVere. I don't know why that situation, because he never said anything good about him. And the next thing you know, he was, you know, he was on a bus out of here. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the issue was with him when you have somebody that talented. Yeah, I don't know. If we drafted him high. I don't know if he's that talented, Brian. Again, I'm going to go with uh, Rick Smith. Didn't know what he was doing with wide receivers in the third round, and, and that happened over and over and over again. And I don't think... The Canadian Football League uh, is, you know, it's, it's not like a close proximity to the NFL. There, there is a big thing. Occasionally, guys move over from the Canadian Football League and they get that chance. But 
you know, if, if these guys had gone on to other teams and then they'd been developed uh, and you said, oh, well, that maybe the, the Texans were doing something wrong. You know, Swearinger, maybe that's the one guy that I think of most of all is, you know, he, he has been able to stick on rosters. I don't know if that says much about the teams that he's playing on or just the fact that, you know, hey, he, he was developed and maybe he had more in him than, than we gave him. But, you know, at the time, I was perfectly happy to get rid of him because the guy couldn't tackle. Uh, and he just he wasn't good at anything else. You know, he wasn't a good safety in a, in a lot of other facets of the game. And, and to me, if, if, he, if he's going to be a strong safety, which I thought he was, you got to be able to tackle somebody, wrap your arms around him. And, and he did have a little injury uh, at one point about that. But before he got the injury in the preseason, I remember, you know, this guy is just, you know, just awful at tackling. Sometimes when you go out in the draft, you, you want to hit on that guy, but it, it's it's a miss and there's nothing you can do about it as a coach. But if I'm a fan, I'm wondering, okay, all these players here, you know, they're, they're not reaching their full potential and that's on the coach. Uh, not necessarily 100% on the head coach, but it, it, it speaks to the staff that he has assembled and put together. So, you know, there's a lot of ways you can go with that. But if I'm a fan and wanting him to go, I'm looking at all these draft picks that have been brought in over the past three seasons. And is, is are they truly better than when now than when they came in the door back when they were drafted? Well, my number three kind of circulates right back to what you're talking about because O'Brien got this team in the playoffs the last two years with Hoyer and Osweiler. Now, let's think about that for a second. I can't, can't imagine too many NFL coaches that could do that. Denver couldn't win with Brock this year. The 49ers were 0-5 with Hoyer. I'll throw in one bonus case for O'Brien. His teams have a tendency to improve week to week and year to year. And I think I contradict everything you're talking about, Brian, because this year being the sole exception, you know, they couldn't improve much this year because they went from Deshaun to Savage, and there's obvious flaws in that. But when you have that big a drop-off and so many injuries, there just wasn't enough arrows in the quiver. You know, that's what I'll say about that. But what we can say is that Savage has played better with each start. And some of you might say, well, the record didn't get better each year. They stayed at 9-7 and every year except this one. But we know the quarterback situation limited. Now, I'm not always the biggest fan of O'Brien. His personality, like like uh, Brian said earlier, you're just, it's just hardly lovable. But, you know, he's made some mistakes. But if, you, if I'm looking at this objectively, O'Brien is getting the most out of his players. And it's too easy in the sports world to give up on a head coach. Finding a, that better guy than the one you have, it's extremely difficult, Brian. Yes, yes, and because there have been a lot of bad coaches in this NFL, and, you know, that haven't even gotten close to winning. I mean, you could you could just, you know, talk about McAdoo with the Giants, uh, which he, he hasn't done much at all. And he did the unthinkable by benching Eli Manning, you know, in desperation of trying to keep his job, and it didn't work. So you, you've got a lot of pretenders out there. But is Bill O'Brien a, a, a contender? You know, that that's up for debate. But I'm pretty sure there would be many fans out there that would make a case to say why he, he needs to go. And these are some of the things that I've heard forget from people who uh, dislike Bill O'Brien and, and don't want him here. I wanted to bring those points up as we've talked about today. The two things that I think of when I think of improvement also is the special teams has improved every year. The personnel has a little bit to do with that, but we can say 
the special teams is no longer the disaster that it once was. Uh, it's got, it's gotten better. I don't know if it's, you know, it's just this year and every other year you can put in the bad category, but, uh, they've definitely gotten better. The one thing that hasn't gotten better that we know for absolute sure is clock management. And you said he likes to be control in control of everything. You'd love for him to get somebody to handle the clock. You know, I don't, I don't know if any coach does that, but why not? You know, why not right. throw something, you know, throw some other coach in the, into the mix. You've got the money as far as the organization goes. And, you know, why not do that and have those mistakes not happen quite as much as they do? Yeah, yeah there there should be a clock management coordinator. I mean, we may start a new wave of organizations starting uh, to do this because uh, being a coach, a head coach on the sidelines, especially during game time situations, the situations are extremely fluid. You got people yelling at your headset. You're calling plays. There's a lot going on and that you may not necessarily be able to see or uh, to comprehend. Yeah, because, you know, we criticize, you know, Bill O'Brien's clock management. But I sure as hell would not want to be standing on the sideline, you know, during those situations because, you know, you, you have to really multitask, you know, with what's going on. It's such a fast paced game. Um, so it would be great if you could fire. You could hire some not fire, but hire somebody uh, to, to go on and, and help out with the clock management. I think that would help him. Um, it's OK to delegate. It, it means that you're you're showing that you value uh, your job and that you, you want quality production out of your job when you do delegate there's tons of assistant coaches they could also just give that job to one of them i can't imagine all of them are are super busy uh 24 7 during a game i guess you would say and that's not 24 7 but whatever the whole three hours uh i can't imagine they're completely busy during the whole game so you know i don't know the quarterback's coach can help with just somebody that you know can talk with them but what you you kind of worry about is you know if ob would forget that, you know, and, and then want to take charge of that again and then start doing those things. Uh, but I, you know, I don't see them hiring a timeout coach, but you could definitely delegate that to somebody else on the staff and have him helping out with that. I mean, I think that's, that's something that they could do. I mean, Brian, we, we both, I think really feel like he should be back though. And and that's the main thing. I mean, when you start looking at the big picture, uh, you have to say he deserves another chance, especially with, you know, like we've talked about the injuries and, and finally having the quarterback that he's wanted for four years. Not only that, not only does he deserve a chance, I think he's earned his chance. He He's done what he's needed to do to, to, to get that uh, second contract uh, to be here with the Texans. Um, a lot of things that happened weren't weren't his fault, but as we talked about, the things against people would, you know, people may hold that against him and put – his feet up to the fire, but uh, I don't think that this uh, regime, you know, running the Texans will, uh, they'll, they'll just look at those sufficient titles. And then last season we got to the second round to the, uh, the divisional round. So, you know, it, it, it definitely, uh, you know, is something that, that speaks to, you know, just the type of effort, his ability to go in uh, to uh, have the ability to win games with all these configurations, you know, all the guys that are injured. It's amazing we're four and eight right now. I'll, I'll even go on that limb uh, with all the challenges that we've had. I mean, we're sniffing close to 500, but we're getting closer away from it. But we're really fighting in these games like last week and against the Ravens we were fighting. So, you know, we haven't just gone up and said, no, we're we're just going to tank. And it wouldn't make any sense to tank because we don't have our first or second round picks. 
but but that's the thing. And then about the timeout thing, give that to Romeo. Give that to Romeo. He's up in the booth eating a plate of barbecue. He's got some stuff to – I know he's doing a lot of stuff up there being the assistant head coach or not, but give that to Romeo. I know he's he's pretty good with that stuff, hopefully. Yeah, but Romeo can't be the one that jumps out there and calls timeout, and I don't know how much communication he's in with, with Bill O'Brien. I mean, I think he's talking to the defensive guys. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know the – how that goes, but to me, that seems like he, he, he might not be the best guy to, to, to handle that. I mean, he's, he's been a head coach before, so you make a point there. But uh, one of the things uh, I noticed, Brian, before we uh, start to wrap things up, too, uh, Houston, honorary Texans cheerleader for this Sunday's game is five-time Olympic gold medalist Simone Biles. So that's pretty cool. And then the honorary captain, none other than Akeem Olajuwon. And, and Brian... You know, Simone Biles, J.J. Watt, Jose Altuve. Uh, uh, I mean, just you go through James Harden. Man, Houston is loaded with some incredible talents these days. Uh, I mean, we, we could go on and on with all the, all the ones that we've got. But uh, great, it'll be great also to see the guy that was the original championship holder in the city of Houston from the major sports, the dream. I love seeing the dream out there. Exactly. And and he has just a plethora of stories to tell. And, you know, I have met him. I he, He's very tall. He towers uh, right over you. But when he speaks, uh, he just commands uh, that type of uh, presence that from those around him. They listen. They sit and they listen what he has to say. So just like he was able to do the same out on the court. Um, I have no doubt that he'll be doing the same out there on the sidelines uh, this Sunday. And with Simone, what a great honor for her. You know, uh, can't wait to see her compete, you know, when the Olympics come around again. Uh, just a terrific athlete. And, I've, of course, she's far from done. And uh, it'll, it'll be really great to see her, too. She's another one of Houston's own that we should all be proud of. Did I hear somewhere in what you just said that you made the observation that Akeem is tall? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty tall, isn't he? Uh, yeah. You you just figured that out. You just figured out that Akeem would you you didn't know before you met him, but then you figured out the dream was a, a tall guy, a set, the center in the NBA. <laughs> Absolutely, I think a little Clyde Drexler rubbed off on me on this commentate here, so I apologize about that. <laughs> so. Uh... <laughs> I don't want to state the obvious here, but yeah, 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 yeah. He's just uh, just a terrific uh, individual, it seems like. But uh, yeah, um, whatever honors that he he is bestowed upon him, he he deserves them. And you know, this is just only the beginning of of the greatness of Houston sports teams. I think we're going to go through a renaissance. You know, you heard it here first. We're going to have a renaissance of of we're because the Texans are right there too. And we're going to go through some bad years, but we it may not be a while. I think we've suffered long enough. You know, we won't be up in the ranks with Cleveland. I think we're going to be blessed because Houston, and especially their owners, have a ton of money. And it looks like they're doing what they can uh, to give us a product that we can all go out and, and, and root behind. I don't know why you're killing Cleveland. They've they, You know, they, the Indians were in the World Series uh uh, a year ago, the, the Cavs have won a championship. We can't, you can't kill Cleveland anymore. Uh, they're they're also in the finals pretty much every year as long as LeBron st- sticks around. Um, maybe this year will be different, but you know they've they're back to being their old selves, running off games and things like that. Uh, yeah, the the big thing that I would say with Houston though is just uh, you you said we've got some bad times coming up or something I, or we have some bad. I know. I think we've, we've gone through 
the worst of it for a while. I don't see us taking a huge dip unless all of a sudden uh, Deshaun's injuries, uh, there, there's more of them. You know, they start to catch up with them. If you want to follow all these sports, go to House of Houston, Brian's website. And then if you want to follow uh, more podcasts, more interviews, Astros Rockets related, check me out on Houston Sports Talk. It's LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. If you've got questions or comments for us, I'm putting that on a daily basis. It's in the, uh, in the, sh- in the show description. So if you forget it, just go over there. It's really easy. Just an incredibly fun show. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow's show with Locked On 49ers host Brian Peacock. Until then, thanks for making us a part of your day. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, 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 oh.